Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. So, as Ty said, we uh, we went to a branding on, when was that, Friday? I think, yeah, Friday. Days get to running together. Went to a branding uh, out at Kevin's, and uh, then we went and helped another neighbor uh, brand some of his calves, or all of his calves. And so, when you get down to the end, we had three ropers, and they're, they're good ropers, but man, when you get down to the end, the last two or three calves, it seems like it takes just as long to rope those two or three calves as it did the 15 before because they're the last ones for a reason. I mean, they can stick their head in. They're, you know, they never give you a shot. They're always hiding or running off or kicking and all of this. So we were down to, I think, the last two calves, and um, everybody was having a hard time. And so I kind of walked out there trying to help uh, some of these cowboys uh, set up a good shot on it. And the thing was, is he wouldn't, that calf wouldn't let the ropers get close, but he'd let me just scratch him on the head. So I had a bright idea. It seemed really good at the time. I did. I decided that I would help. So I grabbed him by the tail. Now, you have to understand, when I was petting this little critter, he weighed 125 pounds. When I grabbed him by the tail, he weighed 425 pounds. He grew instantaneously by like 300 pounds. And, you know, I, I've said this many times that my best quality is that I never give up. And my worst quality is that I never give up. So I've got him by the tail. And I'm thinking, I'll just pull him back and flank him. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's dragging me around, and finally Benji Lemon comes over there and tries to help me, and then Kevin comes over there, and he's trying to help me. Then uh, Gary Noonan's over there trying to help me, and then Sarah gets involved, and, and we still can't get this thing down. Well, we finally get it down, and uh, anyway, so I'm on the back end, and I've got the, I've got the leg, and Kevin goes to Brandon, and he said, do you got him? I said, I ain't got any air, much less this calf. So just deal with it. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty bad when you start seeing sparkles, you know, because you're uh, out of oxygen. But the moral of the story is sometimes we think that we have good ideas, but they're just dumb and make life difficult for us and those around us. The only wise person in that pen was Ty, because in hindsight, Ty was not there. And I asked him, why weren't you there? It's because you're stupid. You brought that on yourself. I don't like it, but it's, it's the truth. It is the truth. How to keep your Christian sanity. This is 12 things on how to avoid the dumb things we do to make life difficult on ourselves and those around us. The, the scripture that we will be basing all of these off of, I, I was going to do a scripture for each one because each one of them, I mean, I could have just picked a scripture. Okay. But instead of doing that, I wanted to concentrate on just one, and it's in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Colossians 4, 5. And I really like the English Standard Version of this, and it says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. But really, it's this next part, making the best use of the time. Making the best use of the time. 
It's amazing how much time we only have this much time on earth to do God's will and, and to help spread his message and all of this. And it seems like we don't make best use of the short amount of time that we have. So Paul says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. And that's what we're going to be talking about is how to make the best use of the time. First one we're going to talk about, Ty and Mitch both nailed it. I was going to say something while they were talking. They nailed like four or five of these already. So you will have already heard them. The first one is learn to pray positively and continuously. Learn to pray positively and continuously. L listen, prayer is not some memorized mantra with a bunch of big church words thrown in. And I think that that's what a lot of people, um, maybe that's why they don't pray very much. They don't know what to say, okay? Well, I think that when we don't know what to say, we're, we're kind of getting off the, the, that there's something that we should be saying to God. And that's not the case. I mean, how many of y'all parents, you know, especially when your teenagers uh, get up there in age, and it's just nice sometimes when they just come in and they just sit down and they just start talking to you and they'll talk to you for like an hour about nothing and everything at all. That's what God wants from us. It's not something specific. I mean, you know, sure, Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, you know, pray like this. But at the same time, Jesus was always talking to his dad about anything and about everything. Prayer is just a conversation with God. And you know what the greatest part of prayer is, I think? is when you don't say anything, but you're still in prayer. You ever been there? Like you're praying, and you stop speaking, but your heart doesn't. And you just sit there, and you just, it's kind of like driving down the road with your dad. You don't have to say anything, man. You're just together. That's still prayer, because our, our mind and our soul and our heart is on God. And listen, when I say to learn to pray positively and continuously, you're, you're not just going to after today go, man, Kevin said to learn to pray positively and continuously, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to be great at it right now. It doesn't work like that. Prayer is a muscle, okay? If you don't use it, it's not going to grow, okay? It has to be exercised in order to be grown. If you want to keep your Christian sanity, man, I, and I'm not even saying that these are in any, in any particular order, but I think it's funny that this one rose to the top. Learn to pray positively and continuously. The second thing, quit arguing with fools. Seriously, making the best use of the time. Do we really think that arguing, not just with fools, with anybody, is arguing really making the best use of the time that we have? And honestly, man, when you're arguing with a fool, Arguing with a fool proves that there are two. I mean, how, how foolish is it to argue with a fool, right? You know what a fool does? This is why fools argue. And, and maybe not fools, foolish people. And I've, I've been a foolish people, and I've been a fool too. But the quickest way to spot a fool is he has to prove that he's right. She has to have the last word and prove that she's right. That, that's foolish. There's no point arguing over that. There's no point in arguing with that. See, there comes a time when you realize the absurdity of argument. The wiser the man, the quicker he walks away. The wiser the man, 
the quicker he walks away from arguing about just nonsense that's not going to mean anything. And quite frankly, I don't know that anybody has ever had a change of heart from a heated argument and one person go, you know what? You're probably right. I've been stupid. <laughs> They're going to end up defending their position whether it's right or wrong. There's no point in arguing. Walk in wisdom, making the best use of the time. The third thing, and honestly, this is what I love about our crew. This is what I love about our crew because every single one of us are able to laugh at ourselves. Learn to laugh at yourself. See, real joy comes from being able to laugh at yourself without condescension, without condescension. We were at Elizabeth yesterday, and, and after it was over, some of us all went and visited and stuff, and like, I think we all made fun of each other and laughed at ourselves. I mean, I've made a ministry out of laughing at the stupid things that I do. But I think that that's where a lot of the joy does come in because I am able to laugh at myself at the stupid decisions that I make and the, you know, sometimes I think they're good decisions and they're not. But learn to laugh at yourself without condescension. I do not, just because I do stupid stuff, I do not think that I'm stupid, okay? Learn to laugh at yourself. Pride is the roadblock to joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Pride is the roadblock because if you can't laugh at yourself, it's because of pride. And you know what? If you can't laugh at yourself, you don't laugh at other people. And um, who were we talking to, Ty, the other day? They said, well, I, I just, I don't want to go out there and, you know, somebody, like, make fun of me. They were like, oh, we're, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. But you can make fun of us, too, because we dish it out, but we take it. And it's all in good fun. It's all in good fun. We do try to have joy of the Lord. Learn to laugh at yourself. It's okay. Quit taking life so seriously all the time. Number four, stop trying to fix everybody. Stop trying to fix everybody. Because here's, here's probably something that truly breaks my heart. Is that those that I love, their rock bottom is about a mile down from where I think it should be. And man... You just can't, we can't fix anybody. And I think that we spin our wheels and we put a lot of effort into that when it doesn't a lot of times bear much fruit. I mean, I had a cousin, most beautiful girl in the entire world, most beautiful girl in the entire world, got into drugs, meth, and for 20 years, every single one of us tried to fix her, tried to help her. She got out of the hospital after having a heart valve replaced and went and got a fix. Some people, you just can't fix them. You just got to turn them over to God and just love on them. There's a difference in trying to fix somebody and just love on somebody. And none of us liked what she was doing. None of us liked the life choices she was making. And none of us liked it when the drugs killed her at less than 40 years old. It was tough. But you can't fix everybody because you know what? Some people don't want released from their struggles. They want company. They want company. You can't fix every. And I'm not saying don't be there for people, okay? That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying not to love on people. I'm just saying that you can't fix anybody. You can be there for them. You can love on them. You can pray for them. You can do all of this stuff. But I think that we spin the wheels when we, you know, seriously try to fix somebody. Number five, quit 
obsessing about stuff that you can't change. How much stuff do we worry about? And there's not a stinking thing that we can do about it. Yet it just locks us up. It's, you know, on your computer is a little spinning wheel of death. That's what happens in our mind. And we obsess about things that we can't change. Now, everybody's heard the serenity prayer. Have you heard it? The full one. Here's the full serenity prayer. Most people says, Grant us the serenity of mind to accept that which we cannot be changed, courage to change that which we can, and wisdom to know one from the other, right? Everybody's heard that, right? Here's the actual serenity prayer. O oh God and Heavenly Father, grant to us the serenity of mind to accept that which cannot be changed, courage to change that which can be changed, and wisdom to know the one from the other through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. That's the real serenity prayer, as it was originally written. And I think it's a shame that it's so amazing, and they leave out all the references to God and Jesus Christ, right? Quit obsessing about stuff that you can't change. You know, peace doesn't come. And I think that what we think, or let me just rephrase this, what I have thought in the past and probably what I still struggle with is if the, I think that if I can get all of my ducks in a row, that everything, that my life will be better. I don't even like ducks, okay? I don't want them in a, I don't want them, period. But yet I obsess over things that I just cannot control, and peace doesn't come from being in control, but by knowing that most of life is uncontrollable and being okay with it. Sure, good things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. Listen, I hate to use the word guarantee, but I guarantee you, no matter what you're going through right now, no matter what I'm going through right now, you are going to have good days, and you are going to have some bad days. Man, there's so many factors that affect all of this. But remember, remember, walk in wisdom, making the best use of the time. Walk in wisdom, making the best use of time. So, we've talked about learning how to pray positively and continuously. Uh, quit arguing with fools, or quit arguing, period. Learn to laugh at yourself. Stop trying to fix everyone. Stop trying to fix everyone. Quit obsessing about stuff that you can't change. And this is the kissing cousin. The next one is a kissing cousin to that. Stop overthinking everything. Does anybody else overthink about stuff, or is it just me? Right? Stop overthinking everything. I mean, I, I, I have these friends that, you know, tell me, oh, yeah, I woke up in the middle of the night thinking about this. Stop. I mean, I do the same thing, so tell me to stop too. But Stop overthinking everything. See, the problem isn't that big of a problem. The obsessing about the problem is the real problem. Because once again, we go back to, you know, there's just things that we can't control, we can't change, can't fix everybody, blah, blah, blah. Stop overthinking everything. Why do we overthink? I think I have, well, I have a theory. Why we overthink stuff so much? Well, most people say, well, it's because I don't know what to do. I don't necessarily believe that. I don't think it's that you don't know what to do. You know exactly what to do. You just know how hard it is. And you're trying to come up with a way that gets you the same results without the hardship. And I'm telling you right now that it can't. If you know what to do, you just need to do it. And a lot of people, I've been guilty of it, I'm just not sure what to do. I, I think that really we do know. I think that we do know what we should do. It's just 
difficult. So, so difficult. The next one. Quit avoiding stuff you know you should take care of. Quit avoiding stuff that you know you should take care of. I put the pro in procrastination. I do. Why do it today when you can put it off till tomorrow, right? Do you know how many times there's things that I just, I keep putting off and I keep putting off and I know I should be doing them and it just eats on me and eats on me and then I go do it and it took like that long and then I feel better. I'm like, I just made myself suffer through all of this stuff because I was avoiding doing the stuff that I know I should have been taking care of. You know what procrastination, though? I don't think procrastination is putting something off till tomorrow. You know what I think it is, really? I mean, that's a side effect of it. Maybe that's the result of it. But procrastination is the perpetuation of pain. Procrastination is the perpetuation of pain. See, get your stuff done. You'll know you feel better. I mean, when my house is a wreck, I feel, like, uptight. My house is never a bad wreck, but you know what I mean, like everybody's does. But I don't feel like cleaning it. I don't feel like doing dishes. I don't, no, I like to vacuum. Y'all should come see my vacuum cleaner. It is amazing. It sucks. That was Caleb's, not mine. I just repeated it, and I'm taking credit for it. No, I do. I have, I have a great vacuum cleaner. If any of y'all would like to come over and watch me vacuum, it's amazing. Bring some brownies or something. <laughs> but get your stuff, you know, and what, all of these things just have us uptight, uptight, uptight. And then when we finally do them, we're like, ooh, that feels better. Why don't we get to that quicker, you know? Get your stuff done. Get your stuff done. Quit avoiding stuff you know you should take care of. These are ways to keep your Christian sanity, okay? Learn to pray positively and continuously. Quit arguing with everybody about everything. Learn to laugh at yourself. Stop trying to fix everyone. Quit obsessing about stuff that you cannot change. Stop overthinking everything. Quit avoiding stuff you know you should be taking care of. And life is not fair, and it's never going to be. How many times have we told our kids that? Well, life's not fair. And then we turn around as adults and like, well, that's not fair. We do it all the time. Life is not fair, and it will never be fair. There will be times that you get a good roll of the dice. You know what? I threw the best, probably the best heel loop I have ever thrown. And it wasn't one of these fancy ones like Mitch can throw or, you know, where he just throws his whole rope out there and catches and then somehow gets it back and dallies. I, I don't know how he does it. But this was just a straight up, just walk up behind a calf, lay it in there, it walks right in, just as calm and as cool. Well, I walk up there, swing my rope once, twice, laid it in there perfectly. It sets right up, and the calf goes to walk in. And I'm like, man, I am smooth. Both hind feet, and right as I'm pulling everything tight, another calf steps in it. Now I've got three legs. I had to let all three legs go. And Benji Lemon was standing there, and he goes, that was not fair because that was a pretty shot. It wasn't fair, but life is not fair. Life is not fair. It's never going to be. Yes, we're gonna, every once in a while, we're going to get a good break. Other times, it's not going to swing our way. Life is not fair. But I loved what Mitch talked about because the cure for unfairness is gratitude and contentment. The cure for unfair, I mean, if you are focused on 
how unfair everything is, how somebody else, you know, they don't even live like God wants them to, and it seems like they're getting everything, and, you know, they seem to be happy, and, and we're trying to live the best way we can with integrity and courage and all of this stuff, and we seem to be struggling, and they've got everything. When you start comparing and all of that unfairness, there is no gratitude or contentment in you. Next time you catch yourself even thinking it, that life is not, that's just not fair. Stop right there and do what Mitch did. He says, I, I thank God for the people that I have in my life. I thank God for what I do have. I don't gripe about what I don't have. The cure for unfairness is gratitude and contentment. You know, that, that and I, I'm going to harp on this probably until I can beat it into everybody's head. Uh, Philippians 4.13. Who knows what that says? Well, let me tell you what it says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Everybody's heard that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is not a blank check from God saying, you can do whatever you want and you will succeed. That is not what that means, and that's how it is used 99 out of 100 times. Well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You go read that in context, and Paul says, man, I've been places where I had everything, and I have been at, at times in my life I've had everything, and at other times in my life, I've had nothing, nothing to eat, nowhere to lay my head, being beaten, put into prison, and I've discovered the secret is to be content in any situation for I can, uh, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That verse is about being content no matter what your problems are, no matter how good you have it, no matter how bad you have it, no matter how fair it is or unfair it is. The next one. Quit expecting someone else to make you happy. It will not happen. It cannot happen. And you know I'm not, I, I, I keep waiting probably on social media for people to, you know, Jesus juke me every single time I'm talking about this stuff. You know, like quit expecting someone else to make you happy. Jesus makes me happy. I know. I know. Okay, we're not talking about Jesus right now. We're talking about making the best use of our time. I'm talking about another human being. Quit expecting someone else to make you happy. Here's the unfair part. You are 100% responsible for the quality of your life. You are 100% responsible for the quality of your life. And you know what? I get it. You've been hurt. You've been hurt. Maybe you're still dealing with some trauma from childhood. I get it. Man, I really do. I get it. You've had somebody be mean to you. You've had somebody that treated you badly when you would have never dreamed of doing that to them, haven't you? I know you have. We've all experienced that. But we are 100% responsible for the quality of our life. We must take responsibility for who we are. See, now, when I say we take 100% responsibility, I am not saying that everything bad that has happened in your life is your fault. As a matter of fact, it's Probably not. It's probably not your fault. But that does not mean that you are still not 100% responsible for how you handle it. And there's so, we live in a world where there is so much uh, people that are willing to help. We have counselors, you know, or there's counselors out there. You know, we have counselors, man. If you just need to go get horseback and just long trot for two hours, do that. I mean, there's so many things 
that we can still take responsibility for even though things are not our fault. I get it, man. I'm not blaming you. I'm not saying that the bad stuff that has happened to you is your fault, but it is still your responsibility how you deal with it. And if you're having a problem dealing with it, find some help. Find some help. Talk to somebody. You know, go dig a hole or listen to music or, you know, whatever the case is. But quit expecting someone else to make you happy. It's not going to happen. As a matter of fact, it'll make you miserable and it'll make them miserable too. Quit expecting someone else to make you happy. Next one. Quit expecting others to think the same way you do. Quit expecting others to think the same way you do. Remember, Colossians 4, 5, walk in wisdom, making the best use of the time. Quit expecting others to think like you do. It's not going to happen. Although, I'm just going to throw this out there. This world would be a better place if y'all would just do what I told you to do. It would. I know you're not, so don't come crying to me. Not really. I, I always say that I think I'm always right. I'm, I'm telling you, I think I'm always right because why would I intentionally be wrong? Right? I do think I'm always right. Time proves otherwise. <laughs> but at the time, if you ask me something, I'm going to think I'm right. Okay? And I'm probably going to want you to handle it like I would handle it. You're not going to do that, are you? Probably not. Probably not. Quit expecting others to think the same way you would do. Who are you trying to get to think like you do? Is it your spouse, your best friend, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your coworker, your boss? Your horse, your cattle. My cattle don't think like I think they should. We have tried and tried and tried to get them to just do what we tell them to do. But no, all this grass and they go eat something that's going to bloat them. That's what we were doing last night at 8.30 last night was doctoring a bloat. <sighs> Nobody's going to think like you do. This can be the power of your life or the problem. The choice is yours.